Section 29 of A Year Amongst the Persians by Edward Granville Brown. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicholas James Bridgewater. A Year Amongst the Persians by Edward Granville Brown. Section 29. I was now left for a while in comparative peace for my host after amusing himself for a while by firing bullets with his long shirazi gun at the birds on the garden wall turned darab khan's troublesome young brothers out of the garden and shut the door at three thirty p m the animals were laden and ready to start haji safar gave the owner of the garden five grands about three and sixpence with which he was evidently well satisfied for he came and showed me the money remarking this was not necessary nor so much he then gave me a large bunch of roses as i was about to mount and walked beside me to the outskirts of the village where he bade us farewell as soon as he had gone haji safar began to abuse the people of the village roundly for their churlishness adding that one of the boys had stolen a pair of galoshes and other articles out of my baggage but that he had recovered them i should like to have given him a good thrashing he concluded but i thought you would not like it prudence i imagine had something to do with his self-restraint for the abarquhis are not the kind of people one would care to anger our course at first lay nearly due north towards the fantastic jagged hills which rise abruptly from the sandy plain close by the city of Aberkuh. as we passed between two ridges of these i could plainly see the ruined domes minarets and walls which crown their summits the largest dome stands at the northern end of the northern ridge and is called gonboze Oli. i should greatly have liked to explore these ruins and to see something of the city of abarquh which jafar khan declared to be the oldest city in persia except salkh by which i suppose he meant estakh and to be full of ancient monuments but unfortunately this was impossible emerging from between these rocky ridges we found ourselves once more in the open sandy plain and could discern at a short distance several small villages in a little while we passed one of them called shawraz just beyond which the road bifurcated the left-hand or more northerly branch for we had now again turned nearly due east leading to shamsabad the right or more southerly one to hakim we followed the latter and reached hakim about six forty five p m as it was getting dusk here we found a small caravan of donkeys laden with wheat for yazd and learning that this was not to start till the moon rose we halted in the plain for rest and refreshment after supper i lay gazing at the starry sky till sleep overcame me about midnight haji safar awoke me and soon afterwards we started at a good pace 
for these caravans of donkeys travel faster than ordinary caravans on the long desert stage which was to bring us to Chahbegi, the first habitable spot on the yazd side of the desolate plain bare and hideous as this desert is by day seen in the silver moonlight it had a strange weird beauty which produced on me a deep impression the salt pools and salt patches gleamed like snow on every side the clear desert air was laden with a pungent briny smell like a sea breeze and over the sharply defined hills of yazd towards which we were now directly advancing hung the great silvery moon to the right and the seven brothers haft baradaron or great bear to the left i kept in advance of the caravan and watched with a keen pleasure the stars beginning to faint on a bed of daffodil sky till first the caravan killer koravan or charvador kosh and then the morning star dissolved in the rosy flush which kept upwards from behind the eastern mountains and suddenly like a ball of fire the sun leaped up over their serrated summits scattering the illusions of the night and bringing into view chains and ridges of low hills which had hitherto seemed to form part of the main mass as it grew light a man carrying a large wallet over his shoulders and walking rapidly came up with me i saluted him and entered into conversation he was as i gathered a qasid or courier with letters from abade for yazd he informed me that he had been a soldier in one of the zello sultan's regiments till these were disbanded he did not like a soldier's life and he once deserted walking from esfahan to abade about a hundred and thirty miles in two days he had also walked from yazd to mashhad by the desert road in twenty days and from tehran to mashhad in the same time he asked me many questions about england and its government and complained bitterly of the heavy taxation to which the persian peasantry were subjected the tax on a donkey was he said two tomans about a hundred and thirty shillings a year and on a sheep three tomans nearly one pound he further informed me that bread was dear at yazd costing three panobots one and a half grons or about eleven shillings the man and that during the great famine about sixteen years ago it had risen to sixteen krons about ten shillings the man and that the people were in some cases driven to eat human flesh to appease their hunger as we approached chahbegi we passed numerous tamarisk bushes gaz which as my companion told me had formerly been much more abundant till they were cut down by order of the government because they afforded a harbour to highway robbers of the bakhtiari and other nomad tribes he gave the people of abarkuh a very bad character declaring that fatal quarrels were of constant occurrence there 
we reached chahbegi a miserable walled village containing a few sordid and quarrelsome inhabitants a little before seven a m and alighted at the dilapidated caravanserai in front of which stand several sickly trees i spent the whole day in the large dusty ruinous chamber allotted to me sleeping eating washing to the very limited extent permitted by the surroundings and writing up my diary being the only resources available for passing the long hot day a certain excitement which can hardly be described as pleasurable was produced from time to time by the appearance of sundry large and offensive insects first a tarantula rotel or khawyegaz which was killed on the wall where it sat by a kick from baba khan who informed me in an encouraging manner that they had just killed another one outside and that as these were probably a pair there was nothing to apprehend i failed to see the conclusiveness of this reasoning and as i had left my bedstead at shiraz and was therefore obliged to spread my bedding on the floor continued to keep a good lookout for which i was presently rewarded by seeing a large black creature shaped something like a gigantic woodlouse emerging deliberately from a cranny in the wall i threw half a brick at it and it vanished with a horrid splash after this i felt little inclination for sleep but after supper fatigue overcame me and i fell into a deep slumber from which i was aroused about an hour after midnight by Hauji Safar. It was with sincere delight that I quitted this detestable spot about one thirty a.m. and found myself once more on the road in the cool, clear moonlight. Having nothing else to do, I watched and timed the changes in the sky which heralded the dawn. At three thirty a.m., the false dawn, Subhikal Zeb appeared a little to the north of the point where the sun subsequently arose at three forty five a rosy tinge was perceptible in the sky at four the morning star began to shine over the hills at four thirty it was quite light and at four fifty five the sun rose but it was not till six a m that the day began to grow warm an hour later we entered the village of Balbistan where the road bifurcated taking the right-hand branch we presently passed the castellated village of irdun situated on a small hill and at about eight a m reached a beautiful village named godeshirdan or sharifabad which with its shady lanes rippling streams and verdant trees reminded me more of my native land than anything i had seen for many a long day here we halted and in one of the well-kept gardens which gave to the village so flourishing an appearance i spread my bed under a yellow rose tree and slept for a while till tea was ready i then found that the little streamlet beside me had been diverted from another channel for the irrigation of another part of the garden and as it now threatened to inundate my resting-place i was obliged to alter my position just as i had effected this and was preparing to go to sleep again a deputation of the principal inhabitants of the village and the neighbouring hamlet of dehepo was announced 
of course they wanted medical advice but needless to say they did not touch on the business which had brought them till they had exhausted all other topics of conversation amongst other things they informed me that two men had lately been put to death by the new governor of yazd for drinking wine i expressed surprise adding that if the governor of shiraz were to take it into his head to deal thus harshly with wine drinkers he would soon have no subjects left to govern yes replied my informant but thank god this is not shiraz other persons gradually joined the group which had gathered round me amongst these being a respectable-looking though poorly clad man who had joined our caravan at hakim presently one of those present asked me if i knew russian no i said why should i a great distance separates the english from the russians one man only intervenes between them remarked my fellow-traveller i looked at him in wonder you are not russian i exclaimed i am a russian subject at any rate he replied though a musulman my native place is erivan at length my visitors began to approach the object which had brought them was it true they asked that i had some knowledge of medicine i answered in the affirmative would i visit a woman in their village who was stricken with a grievous sickness they continued i asked whether she could not come and see me but they told me that she was too ill adding that their village was quite close at hand it proved to be about two miles off and on my arrival there the whole population some twenty or thirty souls turned out to stare at me and followed me into the sick-room the patient a middle-aged woman was lying on the floor in the middle of the room and was evidently very ill though owing to the impossibility of making a careful examination and the distracting effect of the eager crowd of onlookers who kept up a continual buzz of conversation i was enabled to satisfy myself as to the nature of her complaint when i had prescribed some medicine as appeared to me most likely to afford her some relief i was called upon to examine several other sick persons and it was only with much difficulty that i was able to get away as i was leaving one of the principal inhabitants of the village presented me as a reward for my trouble with a saddle cover which i bestowed on baba khan who had come with me to carry my box of drugs and instruments Hawji safar was greatly annoyed at what he called the meanness of the people declaring that i might have gained a hundred tomans in fees since i left dehbid but for my lamentable weakness in giving advice gratis we left godeshirdan about four thirty next morning it being then quite light but though it was midday before we reached sonej our next halting-place we did not suffer any inconvenience from the heat as we were again ascending into a cool and mountainous region the wheat-laden donkeys had started at an earlier hour but the erevani whose acquaintance i had made on the previous day had preferred to wait for us and i had a good deal of conversation with him i found him a pleasant and intelligent companion for he had travelled widely and spoke besides his own caucasian turkish ottoman turkish russian 
persian and arabic he told me that it was now three years since he had left erivan whence he had journeyed to tabriz tehran esfahan kermanshah baghdad bushir and shiraz he was now proceeding to yazd having come with a caravan northward bound as far as dehbid where he had been detained for ten days ere he could find means of continuing his journey he had heard at dehbid that i was going to yazd but had hesitated to join me not knowing what manner of man i might be yesterday however he concluded i watched you with those people in the garden and saw that you were not wanting in crop have saleh properly the crop of a bird or the stomach of an animal is commonly used in persian in the sense of patience evenness of temper or capacity for stomaching insults or annoyance so a short-tempered or impatient man is described as tang have saleh thus the present shaw says in one of his poetical compositions dust naboyad ze dust dar gelah boshad mard naboyad ke tang have saleh boshad friend should not complain of friend a man should not be short-tempered for you have never once showed any irritation at their absurd and impertinent questions but continued to answer them with a smile and a jest i asked him whither he was bound and when he expected to return to his home he replied that from yazd he intended to go to mashhad and thence through afghanistan to india and that it would be two years at least ere he again reached erivan i asked him if he did not fear to trust himself amongst the treacherous and cruel afghans but he answered no with patience and courage a man can go wheresoever he will on god's earth the road which we traversed this day was singularly beautiful and the country looked prosperous and well cared for we passed two villages however one on the right and another on the left named haydarabad and abbasabad respectively which had been deserted owing to the failure of their water supply the trees in their gardens were still for the most part green and luxuriant but already the fragile mud walls were falling into ruin and meditating on this process of rapid decay i ceased to wonder at the many persian towns and villages mentioned by early geographers and historians of which no trace remains and which it seems impossible to identify at a considerable distance to the right north on a low conical hill the castle of bonoft with the village of the same name below it was clearly visible and farther east the precipitous black crag called Al-Atizard, the yellow castle which as baba khan informed me is only accessible by one path and at the foot of which lies the village of balkhogoriz farther on we passed the village of katu and on the right by which runs the direct road from yaz to babonaut and soon afterwards turned the northern end of the vast pile of cliffs which forms this western face of the shir kuh 
and following a ravine to the left down which rushed a clear cool mountain stream presently reached the beautiful alpine village of sonedge a mass of gardens and groves situated amidst the grandest rock scenery a more charming spot for a summer residence could hardly be conceived and the people of yazd are fortunate in being able to retreat so easily from their baking sandy plains to this or other equally delightful highland resorts i succeeded in obtaining a very comfortable lodging past the door of which ran a stream of beautiful clear water in the afternoon i was visited by a number of the inhabitants who were of the true yazdi type fair-skinned and grey-eyed with loosely coiled bluish turbans and the curious sing-song drawl which always characterizes the speech of yazd this accent reminded me strongly of the south northumbrian in english the modulation of the voice in both cases being very similar it is generally much laughed at in persia but to me it always seemed soothing and at times rather pretty my visitors of course were very inquisitive and asked me more than the usual number of questions chiefly about my religion and the business that had brought me into a region so seldom traversed by europeans was it true they asked that europeans accounted the flesh of the pig a lawful food had we fixed ablutions and prayers how were marriages celebrated in europe and what were the regulations as to dowry presently a comical-looking old man broke in declaring that as for my business he had no doubt that i had come to effect disruptions in church and state else how did i come to know the geography of the country and to be so anxious for information as to the names of all the villages mountain peaks and streams in the neighbourhood here the erevani interposed saying that all the europeans even the children learned geography by means of maps such as i possessed thereupon my map was at once called for and exhibited to an admiring crowd some of whom however expressed great disappointment that i had not also a microscope so that they might by its aid see what was going on in the streets of yazd next day we were off about five thirty a m many people assembling to witness our departure amongst these was the old man who had regarded me with such suspicion on the previous evening but he seemed to have changed his opinion of me for the better for in bidding me farewell he begged me should i again pass that way by no means to omit a visit to the ancient castle of shavaz situated ten parasangs away in the direction of aliabad our host accompanied us till we were clear of the village and on the road to taft his little son following us somewhat farther plaintively calling out to haji safar in his childish yazdi drawl thou hast not given me one kiss a remark to which haji safar only replied with an outburst of mirth and mimicry which caused the boy to turn petulantly away 
the road which we followed was again singularly picturesque for it led us almost immediately below the rugged and precipitous cliffs of the sheer Kuh, rent and shattered on every ridge into fantastic towers and needles we were now again descending towards the plain of yazd and in a valley to the left could discern amongst several others the village of aliabad through which passes another road from yazd to abarku the conversation of my erivani friend did much to dispel the monotony inseparable from even the most picturesque march amongst other things he told me a rather clever variation of the well-known though probably fictitious anecdote concerning the interview between the poet hafez and timur elang the tartar conqueror better known as tamerlane who as the story runs angrily demanded of hafez how he had dared in one of his poems to say that he would give samarkand and bokhara for the black mole of his beloved's cheek according to the usual version of the tale hafez replied yes sire and it is by such acts of generosity that i have been reduced to the poverty in which you see me whereupon timur laughed and ordered a sum of money to be given him according to my companion's account however the poet effected his deliverance by an ingenious emendation in the obnoxious line bakhsham samarkand i would give samarkand and bokhara he exclaimed those are not my words what i wrote was bakhsham semanqand or dokhurmoro i would give three stone of sugar and a couple of dates and some ignorant scribe has altered it into this we reached the large and flourishing village of taft about midday two hours and a half after passing another prosperous and pretty village called khorashe taft was looking its best on that fine may morning the luxuriant green of its gardens being pleasantly varied by the bright red flowers of the pomegranates in which they abound a wide sandy river-bed at this season devoid of water divides it into two parts whereof the northern is inhabited by the zoroastrians and the southern by the mohammedans we followed this river-bed which appeared to serve also as a road for some distance till we came to a point where the houses were more abundant and the gardens fewer here we halted and began to look for a lodging which i finally obtained in a sort of pavilion in the middle of a large square four rooms raised somewhat above the level of the ground opened out of the central hall of this pavilion which was surrounded by a few trees and appeared to offer desirable and comfortable quarters unfortunately these rooms were lighted by iron barred windows opening onto the square and i soon found myself an object of interest to a crowd of blue turbaned bearded men and fair-faced grey-eyed boys who watched me using a knife and fork to eat my lunch with uncontrolled delight and amusement they were perfectly well behaved and evidently had no desire to annoy me but i never before realized 
what the lions in the zoological gardens have to put up with later in the afternoon i went for a short walk down the road river with my erivani friend after extracting myself with some difficulty from a crowd of people with sore eyes and other ailments for which they desired treatment in the course of our walk we were accosted to my great delight by two of the yellow-robed zoroastrians whom i now saw for the first time in the raiment which in yazd and kerman serves to distinguish them even at a distance from their mohammedan fellow-citizens but which in other parts of persia they are permitted to lay aside the erivani asked them what was their religion to which they proudly replied zardoshti keoni zoroastrian achaemenian whereat he laughed not a little on returning to my lodging i found a handsome clever-looking man waiting to see me from his talk i had little doubt that he was a baubi for he inquired very minutely into the christian belief as to the advent of the messiah adding perhaps he has come and you have not recognized him and presently have you heard news of the manifestation but when i asked him point-blank whether he was of that sect as on he only replied god knows and soon after left me next morning saturday fifth may we started about five a m so as to reach yazd before the day grew hot our road sloped continuously but gently downwards towards the city which was in view almost from the beginning of the march as we were leaving taft a little boy came up and presented me with a rose and farther on an old man who was working in a field near the road offered me the like attention neither of them expecting or receiving any reward for what in these parts of persia which have not yet been spoiled by europeans is an act of pure kindliness and courtesy towards strangers we passed successively the large and flourishing villages of mubareke and chamr on the right and zainabad on the left while on a low spur of the mountains to the south of the road the white dachme or tower of silence of the zoroastrians was plainly visible leaving these behind us we presently entered the sandy plain wherein lies the ancient city of yazd towards which we wound our way through gardens and cornfields as we approached it i was much puzzled as to the nature and function of numerous tall chimney-like structures the like of which i had not hitherto seen knowing that yazd gloried in the title of darul ebaudat the abode of devotion i was for a moment disposed to regard them as a new variety of minaret but i soon learned that they were really baldgirs or wind chimneys designed to collect and convey into the interiors of the better class of houses such breaths of fresh breeze as might be stirring in the upper regions of the air which lay so hot and heavy over that sudden parched plain it was still comparatively early in the day when we passed through the city gates and after some inquiry alighted at the caravanserai of haji qambar 
where we secured two rooms or rather cells at a little distance from one another my first business was to dispatch my letters of introduction to the seyyids and to ardashir mehraban the zoroastrian requesting them to appoint a time at which i might call and see them having done which i occupied the interval which must elapse before the return of my messenger in making such toilet as the circumstances admitted of end of section twenty nine end of chapter twelve from shiraz to yazd